Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only, as it may contain adult content and explicit language. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, with me, Coogan Cassius. This week, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Marnie Swindles. No, <laughs> should I say it how I was going to say it? No, that was right! You got no, it. I was going to say, like, Marnie Swindles. No, that sounds fancy. No? It's not fancy, just Swindles. Marnie Swindles. Yeah, Marnie Swindles, you got it. How are you, Is Marnie? your last name actually Cassius? That's a different conversation. Cassius is actually my middle name. But a lot of people know this already. What's well, a good boxing name? Coogan Cassius, yeah. Yes. Coogan first name, Cassius middle name. Don't know if I've ever said that. Are you keeping your uh, last name off the books so no one knows your government name? <laughs> no, if you Googled me, not that you would Google me, but if you Googled me, yeah, my name comes up, yeah. God knows what, them, ser- God knows what them search results will pull back. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Marty, how are you? I am good. Busy, stressed, but good. Why are you stressed, first of all? Let's get to the bottom of that. Just trying to get to the bottom, get through all the chaos that's happening right now, opening the gym, all that stuff. I told you I was moving I just watched your hands. I was thinking, do not touch that mic. Very handsy, Kuyan. Try not to touch that (laughs) mic. But, um, okay, well, listen, I appreciate, I think I asked you to, if you do this about two or three weeks ago and then this week you've actually helped me out actually because we were meant to do it a couple of days ago and then yeah. you kind of yeah. well you thought I was airing you for ages and ignoring you so and then <laughs> actually, this is proof that I'm not <laughs> and then when we actually looked on the messages I messaged you first and you aired me <laughs> oh, we don't need to go into that we don't need to go into that playing um, hard to get Coogan apparently that's the way forward <laughs> apparently <laughs> right quick sound Realignment. Yeah. I'm enjoying back by Marnie, <laughs> even though we could have just carried on to be fair. Uh, Marnie, thank you for coming on this. Uh, like I said, uh, yeah, it didn't take too long. I thought you were going to be hard work to get on this, to be honest with you. No, you're boxing legend, of course. Boxing legend, oh God. 
I mean, I am. No, I'm not really. I'm joking. That, that's a joke, everyone. Everyone's like, going, oh, he called himself a boxing legend. Um, I should even call that. I probably have, to be fair. Um, I'm going to start you really easy into this, and yeah. then uh, we'll see how this progresses. I know you don't really have a like a whole concept of how this is going to go, so let's just... Yeah, yeah. I'm in your hands. Absolutely. Okay, so very easy. What were your first ever memories of boxing? Ever? Uh, first ever memories was walking into, uh, it was called Lancaster Boys Club back up north, walking in, the coach just being completely dismissive, not interested at all. Like, wasn't interested in a girl being in the gym. Um, what so, getting is this, this was way back up north. It wasn't even a gym, to be honest. It was like a youth club. They had bags in a cupboard, they would pull them out, put them on a hook. Um, yeah, completely disinterested. But I loved it. Like, I couldn't get enough. And I would wait from when school finished. I'd wait two hours, just sitting around, freezing cold, waiting for that boxing club to open, just wrapping my hands at the bus stop. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Do you remember the first ever fight you went to? I don't remember the first ever fight I went to. I remember my first ever spa. Yeah. That was awful. Well, no, first spa I had in our gym was great. It got me all cocky and feeling good about myself. Then the first bar I had when I went to somebody else's gym, Coogan, it wasn't good. <laughs> I got battered. At that point, I hadn't yet appreciated the art of boxing or the sports side of it. I thought it was just a war. I was always good at fighting, so I just went in like a bull, forward, forward, always on the front foot. Didn't even know how to step backwards um, and just got peppered the whole whole three rounds so yeah, that was a learning that? curve what happened when you left that did you think oh, i'm doing this again or no i thought forget that forget that happening to me again and that's when i really started to appreciate it on a different level um and want to understand the technical side of boxing um, that was a, a real big turning point was there anyone of note that kind of inspired you to even watch boxing get into it i mean just as a fan for me, I do keep saying, I repeat myself on this podcast every week, but for me, it was always Prince Nassim Hamid that got me even watching boxing. Yeah. But was there anyone that kind of in the same role that you first started watching that inspired you to any degree? No, there wasn't. I don't think it came from like the top down. It wasn't like I watched and then I was inspired and I thought I'd give it a go. It very much came from within. Like I was just an angry teenager, just frustrated and wasn't ever even sporty or into fitness or I was I was the netball's team I was the netball team's B team's reserve that's how unsporty I was <laughs> so yeah it just hated sport but something about boxing just appealed to me I think it was that I think it was the first time where that sense of aggression actually gets celebrated like normally you're sort of told to be polite be a good girl you know be an angel and then in boxing, you could really just, I could let that side out of me um, and unleash it a little bit. So that's what drew me. And then as time went on, I would get inspired by boxers. So I started boxing just before the Olympics. And then I saw the Katie Taylor, Natasha Jonas fight. And I was like, I was like, yes. And, and that kept spurring me on. Savannah Marshall, yeah. you know, all that good stuff. So this next question, we're going to adapt it or you can answer it how you see it fit. 
So let me kind of adapt this question. But it could, obviously, boxing was that part of your life now. And yeah. We'll talk about kind of where your life is currently today. But if you hadn't kind of got into any aspects of boxing, do you think there'd been something else that you would have done? Um, you mean from a business point of view? No, even just from a sporting point of view or whatever point of view, if that part of your life hadn't occurred. No, I don't, like I said, I don't think I am uh, naturally a sports person. Mm. It's boxing I love. It's specifically just boxing I love. So I don't think it's a case that I would have ended up in some other women's sport or being involved in something. I definitely think I would have ended up in business in some capacity. I'm a bit of an opportunist. Like, I see something, I see value in it, I see potential in it, and I want to be involved. Um, but no, I think boxing separates itself from many other sports and many other industries just because it involves, it's such a, a sport of the heart and passion. So it's different in that sense. And that's what drew me to it. And that's what's unique about it. Um, and that's what's kept me here. So you mentioned you being, I don't know what the word you used. Did you say you was a bit of an aggy teenager or aggressive <laughs> teenager? What did you say? I no, I, I, just, I was just pent up. I was just angry. I was just... Do you remember the first ever fight you ever got into, like away from boxing? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or one of no, it doesn't have to be the first one, but mm, one of no. Uh, yeah, I got into a few scraps. Um, and that's why I think I connected so well with boxing, is those things that were naturally within me could be drawn out in boxing in like a positive way. It wasn't a case of cutting them out and doing well, it was a case of like spurring the energy on. It was the first time those aspects of my character were celebrated and endorsed and coaches loved that side of me. Um, and I think that fueled me to keep, to keep going. But yeah. Can you tell us about one occasion? Oh, cool. You haven't got a name <laughs> it anyone. It sounds so messy. Um, yeah, I had, I had a fight with this guy. Um, a guy? Yeah, I was about 15. And we was in school, we was arguing. <sighs> Only he will know who we, this is. Yeah, he will know, he will know. But it just makes me sound bad. We was arguing in school, we got into it, and it was getting deeper and deeper, this argument, more and more personal. He said something that just went so low about my dad, who'd passed away when I was a lot younger. Um... And in that moment, I didn't say a thing. Like, the conversation just paused and I just froze and I was just like... <gasps> and I just took it in. And I didn't react. I didn't come back with anything. And I spent the whole rest of the day thinking, I cannot believe I let that guy get away with that. I can't believe I just took it and I didn't say anything. And even now, my heart is pounding thinking about it. Um, so I waited till the end of the day. <laughs> Sounds so bad. Um, I knew where he lived, so I knew his route home. I followed him home. <laughs> I followed him, followed him home, um, and we were crossing a park, and he'd split off with his friend, so a group of guys were walking that way, and he'd walked off on his own. And then I called him. He turned around, and I nutted him. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's that was... Yeah, we got into like a little bit of a scrap there. But I just, he turned around and I just... You headbutted him. Nutted him straight away. <laughs> I swear I'm like not some just fighter going out there doing it, but I just couldn't let him get away with that. I couldn't, 
I wouldn't be able to look myself in the eye knowing that he'd said that and I didn't do anything about it. So. Well, I'm going to make you right on that situation yeah. from what you said. Absolutely. Do you know, my mum's theory was never start it, but always finish it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not advisable <laughs> in every situation in life. But, yeah. You have to sometimes, you have to just back yourself. You know, I don't, I don't endorse people having fights and having scraps, but I do believe in sticking up for yourself. And the way... Where that argument got to, like it warranted it going there, you know? Mm. But I was 15, I'm a changed woman now. Absolutely. <laughs> but you know what, actually, boxing really does calm people down with that stuff because in that moment, a lot of the reason that happened is because my ego was attached to what he'd said and I, I couldn't live with myself knowing he'd said that and I didn't do anything about it. But finding boxing, it teaches you you don't always need to behave like that, you know? You don't need to assert yourself in that way because you know you've got it in the ring so I think boxing gets a bad rep for it. it's violent and it you know encourages encourages fights if anything I think it does the opposite I think it teaches people to hone their power and know when to use it rather than get into situations like that yeah totally agree and I think people who are anti-boxing whether they're people at whatever end there's government people yeah. that are anti-boxing we've seen politicians talk about various different uh, dangers of boxing, etc. But I think if all those people spent a bit of time in amateur gyms and actually 100%. see what happens in amateur gyms, I think in their head they think that they just they throw them in there, start throwing punches straight away. To, yeah. for, I think that's in their head. That's what they think it is, rather than the discipline side of it. Uh, points that you just made there. Uh, about that but I think unless you go to an amateur gym you're not really going to know that are you? Well that is my whole message is, is letting the world see the magic that happens inside boxing clubs like there is so much love and compassion that happens within this fighting sport and I think if the world knew about that not only would more people be inclined to have a go at it but I also think it would get more funding it'd get more support it'd get more backing you know you go into an amateur gym you see all these these kids you know from a local estate and get up to God knows what in the streets. They come into the gym, they walk around, they shake everyone's hand, so respectful. They have a fight and then the second you say break, they stop immediately. Like that level of discipline and control over their own feelings, you know, to know when to stop, to know how to behave. It's just, I can't speak highly enough about what the sport can do for people. Um, and that's my whole mission right now is just to let, let them all know. Tell me about a time in your life where you felt you were fighting a losing battle? Mm. God, Kogan, you ask the deep questions, don't you? <laughs> you want to know it all. Um, actually, I've got a good one for that. Trying to open this place. So I got the keys um, to Bronx back, well, before it was Bronx, it was just a big old building, back in 2019. So I sent my first email about taking on the space when I was 24. I'm now 28, so it was three years of just relentless, oh, it was so bad, and just constantly trying to make progress, make headway. There was issues with the council, there was issues with the lease, there was issue with other tenants. The whole gym was flooded with sewage, there was asbestos in every wall, and it felt like I was just climbing this, this mountain but not getting anywhere. And it actually put me in a really bad place because every week I'd say next week it's going to happen you know next next month it, it, it's going to happen it's going to we're going to be able to open the doors and it just never did 
So I constantly felt like I was chipping away and getting absolutely nowhere. That was really hard. But the fact that you came through that. Yeah. And we're actually sitting in it right now. Yeah, well, it's one of those things is once I had invested that first month, that second month, that third month, I wasn't going to let it go. Like, if you put an inch into it, I'm going to put a mile into it. Um, they just stuck with it, perseverance. Got there in the end. Um, and, I, you know, I haven't even had a moment to really stop and appreciate. We now do have the doors open. It's insane. What are the everyday battles for you away from work for Marnie? What are they? Uh, I, get, I get a lot of guilt from the, the amount I pour into trying to be successful and trying to work hard. I get so much guilt for not making time for not time for my mom, time for just time for anything. Like I have no life outside of work and I sacrifice so much in the way of friendships, relationships and just just having closeness and connection to people because I'm just so tunnel vision on making this work. And um, that's hard. That's hard to deal with. Why do you feel guilty about that? Because you know, I, I shouldn't, and I, usually I would say being selfish is a good thing because you have to, you have to make those sacrifices to make things work. But there is a person inside me as well, beyond all of the, the go-getterness. There is a, a human and there's a heart, and I, I feel like I don't give enough time to connect with people and, and make time for that, which but is you, sad. You do realise that, which you do. And this is not, I'm not patronising you by saying this. Tell me, you, give, your, give me your advice, Kugan. Let's have a therapy it's not session. Advice. <laughs> I was just saying, any successful person would have this as one of their things in life. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's made it to whatever, in whatever field, not just boxing, whatever, in any field that, where they are deemed as successful, they would have this, what you've just said. Yeah. Yeah. And I always think to myself, you know, work really hard now whilst I'm young and get it out of the way and my time will come. But I actually worry, and this is a genuine fear, that I don't think I'll ever truly find happiness. Like, I don't think I'll ever reach that point where I get satisfied and that scares me. Like, even now, all this amazing stuff is happening. The gym, Lord Sugar, The Apprentice, like, all of this great stuff that I'd, I've wanted and imagined and hoped for for so long. And it's here now, it's on my doorstep, and I almost can't feel it. I'm just looking for, okay, what are we doing next? Like, what's the next plan? How can we get this bigger? So every achievement is overshadowed by the desire for more. And that's, it's a little bit heartbreaking because there's no end to that road. There's some good qualities in what you said, though. The, yeah. The aspects of not being content in certain areas of your life. Because when you stay content, sometimes you don't strive for more. But it's like, a, it's like a chasing your tail situation, though, because the reason people work so hard, the reason I have poured everything into this is to be happy, to have the, the freedom to, to achieve the things that I'd always wanted. And then you get them, and you're not happy because my own flaw of my character is that I want more. Um, like, it almost, it sabot the success sabotages itself, you know? It's difficult. It's really difficult to navigate. Yeah, it really is. Are you an emotional person? Yeah, yeah. I, I put my heart into everything and I'm often conflicted by what's 
best for business from my mind and what my heart wants to do. But I do believe in gut instincts. I believe in feelings and I believe in following that. And actually, I think Lord Sugar does as well. There was a bit in The Apprentice that didn't make the cut where he chose me out of me, Meg and Rochelle to go in that final two based on a gut feeling. He said, you know, it's a difficult one, but business is about following your gut. So, Marnie, you're through. Um, when was the last time you had to fight back tears? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, you're going to have to cut this gap of me thinking because oh, I can't I actually can't think of one. Can't think of a moment. I'm not. Um, I've actually got a lot more emotional. Like as I've got older, my mum brought me up to say that crying was a sign of weakness. So I would never cry. Never, never cry. And like even going on The Apprentice and the show, there were so many moments where I was just like, oh, I was just a wreck. Um, but I think it was nice. It was nice for people to see a bit more of a vulnerable side than just like this robotic person you know obviously because we don't know each other obviously that well that's why i can't always gauge if i think it's impossible to gauge if, without knowing someone if they are emotional um if they're like visibly emotional if they're ones to like almost cry behind closed doors it's yeah. impossible to look at someone and gauge that well like i said i've always been brought up to think crying is a sign of weakness you know don't cry stiff off the lip if you're gonna cry, wait until you're alone, that kind of sentiment. That's how you've been taught to do. Yeah, 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 I've always been brought up like that. But I actually think if anything now, maybe showing a bit more of an emotional side is a way that people can relate and people can see that there is more to you than this cold hearted, like just a business mind. There's, 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 there is a human in there. Um, so I'm getting a lot more comfortable showing emotion. Um, but you know, it's not just sad emotions too. I think it's really important to show the range, the full spectrum, um, because nothing is ever so black and white that it's one singular emotion. Like I said, now, even all this amazing stuff is, ha is happening and I'm happy, but I'm conflicted because I'm conflicted with wanting to achieve and wanting to perform well and not let anyone down. So nothing is ever straightforward. But yeah, to answer your question, I think I am a, an emotionally led person. Because there's always been a stigma attached to men emotion crying yeah. as a sign of weakness I think yeah. that's always been apparent right wrongly in my opinion but that's 
a little bit different in today's age, but that's always been something that's been attached to men more so. Yeah, but I, I kind of in some ways feel like I was brought up a bit like to be, after my dad passed, I felt like I was the man of the house. So I very much felt like I stepped into that like a very masculine role of leading and being in charge. Um, I used to help my mum with a lot of stuff and I felt that air of responsibility. And with that came having to be strong and having to be the person that people can depend upon. Um, so in many ways, I feel a lot of synergy and affinity with men in that sense of not showing too much emotion. Um, not showing that weakness. But I do think the tides need to change. I do think, like, I think men get a really hard time. I think there's a lot of pressure on men. And I think it's important they have an outlet. And even things like boxing, having a place where other coaches get it, there's other male figures, you know, I think, I think if we can break down that wall a little bit, we'll make a lot more men happy. Where would you say your fight spirit comes from? Where have you that's, where's that being instilled from? Uh, my mum. She's tough. Like, she's tough. She's always been... In a good way. Do you want me to stop? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my mum. I think she, she's always been tough. She's always been hard on me. But that element of... Uh, the thing is with fighting and boxing, and I think this is what drew me to it, is it's got so much connection to real life. And the idea of what you put in is what you get out. The idea of pushing through when it gets difficult, you know, not taking the easy route out, facing what you're afraid of. Like all of these things, all these life lessons you learn in boxing connect so well to the things that I was taught in real life. And I think that's why me and boxing clicked and we got on so well. Do you feel as though you've ever had to fight demons in your life? Do you have demons now that you're fighting? So many, there's so many demons living up there, but... <sighs> yeah, there's a lot of demons. But there's not, not a what lot you're of demons. talking about? Um... <sighs> not massively. Okay. Not massively. See, I'm still, I'm still, you know, despite all the happiness and the smiles, there's still a barrier there. There's still a, a nut to crack, you know? All right, without talking about them, because <laughs> I could tell or gauge that you're not comfortable to talk about No, there's, there's some demons we can talk about. What demons should we talk about? <laughs> well, I don't know. We're talking about my demons or your demons. One demon that I have, mm. and again, it relates back to the idea of wanting to be successful, is, and it sounds a very week one but dealing with trying to get everything perfect it is the bane of my life it's I'm so detail orientated and I can spend hours honing in on the tiniest detail of something and it drives me insane um that's a very surface level demon that's one we can talk about <laughs> Just that strive for perfection and just overworking myself to complete exhaustion, just trying to get everything right, which has probably led me to here. It's probably helped me in many ways, so I can't, I can't kick that demon out. It has to stay, but it definitely brings me a lot of pain um, and a lot, a lot of torment. And I suppose fighters would probably relate in the sense of 
you know, comparing it to a boxer who just wants to just wants to win and wants it more than anything. And it's the same with even the tiniest of things like something we put on our website. Like it's not perfect. It will keep me up at night. Which when you add up all the things that I want to make perfect, that's a lot of time. Okay. I see where you're going with what you said there. Um, I'm not I'm not sure that I would put that into that bracket. I think that's oh, something I've got bigger else. demons. No, no, I'm not asking. <laughs> listen, I'm not... Listen, you talk about whatever you're comfortable talking about, but what I mean is I get that aspect of what you were saying uh, as a thing in your life that you know is there, uh, so to speak. So, but yeah, I'm not going to... It's just something that I struggle with a lot. It's trying to get everything perfect. There's nothing wrong with being that. Yeah. Um, so... You've, I mean, in a physical or past in a physical, but in a mental sense, you fight for you know your your family, your mum, your friends, etc. But who who fights for you? Who's got your back? Me. Me. Do you know what? Before you answer this, in, in this podcast, because I've asked this to several people, there's only I think two other people that have named themselves as I'm the one that fights for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even as much as I love my mum and as much as I love my family, the only person in the world that you can ever truly, truly depend on is yourself. And I think it's important to always have that in the back of your mind. When I first came to London, came in when I was 18, um, and people said, oh, do you want to help? Like, no, I can do it myself. And I think... it comes from trying to prove the point constantly that if the world fell away, if you were left with nothing, if you can back yourself, you can, you can figure it out. And so if you stripped me of everything I had, every relationship, everyone that I love, if you stripped me of everything, if I can truly believe and depend on myself, then I'll be good. Mm. So that's why I, I hold on to that so firmly. Because you've been involved in different industries, yeah. like boxing was one part, but I, it's not fair or unfair to say rather, that was a short part of your life. Um, and what now, what, seven years ago? Um, any industry that you've been involved with has that industry uh, triggered any depression in your life? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, anyone who's in boxing knows the ups and downs that come with it. Whether you're a fighter, a coach, a promoter, nothing is ever a smooth road. If you're a fighter, you hit one loss. My first loss, I must have grieved. It it felt like someone died for about three weeks after. And I was so unmotivated. I put so much into it thinking, yeah, I've got this. And it was just an amateur fight. It was just an amateur fight in a working men's club. means nothing to no one. But to me, it was everything. To have to like confront the fact that I lost was devastating. And then as time goes by, you know, that starts to not seem so important as the stakes get higher. And then moving into things like this, opening the gym, that struggle to get it open. Coogan, I'm telling you, walking down here, halfway through thinking things are making progress and not being able to step off the bottom step inside the gym because it is flooded with raw sewage... Oh, you can't imagine. It was 
heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Um, and it put me in a really bad place. There'd be days spent in bed, just not wanting to confront the world, not wanting to face it, because you don't, you can't see a way out of it. I, I can't, usually I always have an answer. I always have a plan. I can always navigate and solve. But sometimes it got to a point where you're just facing a brick wall and you just can't push your way through. And that's, I think, where depression for anyone sits in is where there's no answer and it, you can't figure it out. Obviously, you always can figure it out, but it takes time. It takes time to realise that. For someone who's so driven, so motivated, what drives that fight within you? What is the factors that drive Marnie get up in the morning and just fucking like rip the day up? Uh, I think I just really want a different life to the one my mum had. Um, I want to transcend where I came from. I don't want to be confined by the things that limited her. My mum didn't really get an education, so she was always very hot on me not making those mistakes, getting an education, being academic, being able to fight for myself, you know, having that. And just from a financial perspective, being able to achieve freedom, not ever being in a position where I have to ask, ask people for help. I have to be careful. I have to, yeah, I don't want to be restrained. I don't want to live a life like that. Um, and also having a legacy, like leaving my life one day, knowing that I did something that mattered and it wasn't just, just a waste, just a waste. One trigger like moment for me was when I was working, I remember putting in an application to have my two weeks leave for a holiday. And I was thinking, damn, like this is my life. This is my life. And when you actually pull out and conceptualize the, the fact that you have to ask permission to, to take yourself somewhere, like it, it, it's wild. Um, and I just, I can't live a life like that. I, I need... I need to back myself. There's not going to be any inheritance for me. There's no trust fund. There's nothing. So if I don't make this happen, if I don't make my life what it needs to be, then it's game over. So now or never. Right. Last one. Last one already? Last one. Wow. We got through that quick. We've been talking for quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so you're 28. 28. So if you could go back in time and speak to someone, as in you, at half your age, at 14 years old, what would 28-year-old Marnie go and tell 14-year-old Marnie? Follow what you love. Follow what you love, because I made the mistake of, I did history and politics, I went to uni, I became a barrister, I, I did the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I follow this academic route, which I'm proud of. I'm glad I did, and I proved points to myself by doing that. But it wasn't where my heart was. And if, if I had followed what I was good at and followed the things that were naturally occurring with inside me, like this sort of entrepreneurialness, the, the opportunist in me, being able to see potential in things and make money out of them, if I'd have followed that from a much younger age, I feel like I'd be a lot further ahead now. Um, and that frustrates me. I'm, I feel like there's more I should have done by 28. There's more I should have hit. So I look back and I think, if I'd have, if I'd have, if I'd have gone from A to B instead of doing this detour, where would I be now? Which frustrates me. 
So that is what you would drum into a younger version of yourself? Yeah, just, just listen, find what you're good at, find what you're good at, explore different things, find what you're good at and follow that. It's so easy, I think, for people to get put on paths that their parents will set for them or that they think they should do. And so many businesses, you know, suggest do this apprenticeship and you'll end up here and do this. And I just don't think it's conducive for people actually following what they want to do. And that's the only way to do it as well. And be brave, be bold and be brave and just jump and see how far you fly. That's a good, good way to end, isn't it? Yeah, Just jump and see how far you fly. <laughs> well, Marnie, appreciate your time. I do appreciate that you are very busy. So I do appreciate you taking time out. What else do you appreciate, Coogan? <laughs> That's a different podcast. If people could have listened to actually our conversation, which we're not going to go into, but if they could listen to our conversation prior You should to ask this. them now whether they want uh, more of the good stuff. No, I think we do that as a part two, <laughs> possibly, Marnie. But no, I do appreciate your time. And um, yeah, I think everyone that watched you on uh, The Impregnatist and seen kind of your path in that and to kind of what you're doing now with your gym, etc. And yeah, it doesn't look like you're, you're stopping anytime soon. I'm trying not to. I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, Marnie Swindles. Thank you very much for appearing on Raw, the Fight Within podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Make sure you comment, like, and subscribe, and we will see you soon. Don't comment mean stuff. <laughs> Just, if you didn't hear what Marty said, don't comment mean stuff. Yeah, be nice. Don't be a troll. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.